Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We have reached championship weekend in Paris. Welcome to TC Live, our one-hour pregame show to get you ready for the women's final. And for all the history embedded within this city, Roland Garros has continued to be a place where fresh, modern work is discovered. It's a new tennis renaissance on display as the Terbatou once again provides the canvas for contemporary creations. We've got the youngest women's final here in a quarter century. So will recently graduated Coco Golf get her Grand Slam degree? Or will Iga Sviantek continue her dominance at the top of the sport? The Tennis Channel premiere of the women's final airs at 2 p.m. Eastern. Iga arriving on site having won 34 straight matches, 54 of her last 56 sets. A win today would match the longest streak since 2000 and give her a second major title. As for Coco Golf, coming on site hasn't dropped a set yet. Trying to become the first American to win here in nearly a decade and would become the top-ranked American in the world with a title. A teen dream, just one match away. On our Tennis Channel DraftKings desk, Steve Weissman back with Chanda Rubin and John Wertheim. And we are joined by the Hall of Famer, Martina Navratilova. You know it's a championship weekend when Marty's here. And listen, (laughs) we, we talk about Iga. 34 wins in a row. Martina had five streaks of 36 or more straight wins. That's incredible. I'm, I was just saying, see, why wasn't that on our graphic? Yeah. We could have just had Martina and her streaks on our graphic. Right? Thanks. Absolutely. I'll tell you something else. Those encompassed winning majors, which is something that Iga has not done. So uh, to, to win today would be 35, but it would be her first major in that period. Yeah, her streak is the longest between majors that you can actually have right. because it's the longest time frame. But, you know, people say it adds a lot of pressure. No, the, the streak, the pressure is on the regular tournaments. But when you come into on a streak like this into a major, you are brimming with confidence and that's exactly where you want to be. All right, Ego, one win away from her 35th straight win and sixth straight title. So how did she get here? Well, she had some tense moments earlier in the event, Martina. No issues, though, in the semifinals against Daria Kazakina. And, and what Ika's doing so well, she's hitting winners into safe places, from safe places. She spreads the court so well with that forehand. She finds openings, hits, hitting winners three feet from the sideline, three feet from the baseline. She doesn't have to redline, and she moves her opponent while she moves beautifully. Wrong-footing Kazakina there, who is as fleet as they get. And she just makes it look easy. She doesn't have to redline anything, play her game. The serve is a big one for her. The first one, perhaps, is the only place where she's got a weakness is the second serve. But everything else has been 100%. And on this streak, Iga Sviantek is making herself known. 16 bagel sets won, so absolutely dominating during the 34 straight wins. Of course, she's playing well against the best players in the world, and has only dropped a couple of sets. But Chanda, she is playing with all the pressure right now. 
as the world number one, as the player that has been to this stage at a major before. So how does she manage that today? Well, I, I love Martina's comment about, you know, the fact that at a major, it's the confidence that comes through. And we've talked about it from the start of the tournament that Sviantec had the most pressure on her shoulders. Would she be able, you know, to play well under it? Would she get to the finals? And here she is, final weekend. And now, you know, she can really let everything go and understand that, Win or lose, she just wants to go out and play her best tennis, and she does have the confidence. I think she started playing better her last couple of rounds where she was more confident, playing a little more freely and more relaxed, didn't have a couple of the hiccups she had in her previous matches. So I think going into this one, she knows golf is a terrific opponent. She knows that she's got to play her best game, that it's a match she can lose, and that's okay too, but you want to go out and play your best tennis, and I think she's really poised to do that. Different situation for her when she won it a year and a half ago here, two Roland Garros tournaments ago. She was by far the, the, the biggest surprise. She was not a favorite at all. So she was the underdog, no pressure. Now this is only her second major final, and pressure is all on her. She's the big favorite, so we'll see how she, well she can handle it. We've been talking about the set she's won, 6-love, six 6-1. Six mm. We've been joking, bagels and breadsticks in her boulangerie. But there have been a couple of struggles here, and I think that can be just as, as meaningful. Um, we remember her match against Zhang, where she actually lost the first set. She was very frustrated. She was nervous. She was looking at her box. And this was, I mean, you see, see it here. She's sort of mockingly talking to herself. She applauded herself. This is all directed to... Her camp, she was not pleased with her performance in that first set and then got it together and won. And, you know, you play seven matches here. You play 14 sets. They can't all be bagels. And sometimes fighting through not your best match can be just as important as going out there and blazing it at A-plus speed. Absolutely. She is a closer, though. She's won eight straight finals. In those finals, she hasn't dropped a single set. But could it be Coco's day for her coronation? Of course, she is the youngest to make the final here since Kim Pleister's back in 2001 started this tournament she had to say why not coco that question remains she had all the answers against martina trevisan yeah she did and i think the first set a golf just battled it wasn't her best tennis and trevisan came out you know ready to compete and was trying to get in golf's face but she was able to open up the match right around this time in the first set and once she got through it here with excellent backhands inside the court playing aggressively. This is another aspect of golf's game that sets her above the field at times. Her ability to move inside the court, to play in the midcourt area, to volley up at net and the movement. She just shrinks the space that opponents have had to hit into. Trevisan though would get treatment, end of that first set, clearly feeling a little something in the thigh area. It's been a lot of matches for her as well. Um, in recent times, but golf didn't get distracted. She just kept pushing forward, and there were multiple times where this match could have changed. This game was one of it. A lot of deuce and ads, but golf again at the net, closing it out, playing to her strengths, and that for me has been so impressive this entire tournament. We've seen her moving and covering just about everything. Trevisan had some moments of brilliance, but golf again just stayed the course, and Think about these important moments where matches could change, where matches could change, where things could turn, where you could lose momentum uh, if you're playing as golf was doing. But she did not get distracted. Once she got that game tucked away, just played better and better. And I think that's an important part of golf's game: her ability to improve and adjust as a match goes on. She needed it in this one against Trevisan, and in the end, backhands like that one, the money shot for golf. She was pulling it out exactly when she needed to. And in the end, 
terrific win. You could see the joy. It was so nice to see the pride in her parents' faces as well. What a moment for this youngster. Yeah, Coco Golf always problem solving, finding solutions. That was a rematch, by the way, from last year when she lost to Trevisan, able to get the win. You see what Coco has done. Hot Coco in her career. Youngest doubles champion since Hengis won her first singles title at 15. But a reminder, Coco Goff is just 18 years old, and she has already accomplished all of this. The youngest American to reach a final here in 40 years. And now she talks about it with John. Has anyone had a better graduation week than Coco Goff? Um, I don't know. I think I'm having a great graduation week. Uh, I don't know if anyone else is in the Grand Slam final that graduated this year, um, but I'm super happy. I, I, don't, I don't know if anybody else had, had graduation that made a major final. I'm going to say no. Coco is one of one there. Uh, she could do, Martina, what you did in 82 and 84. That is win both the singles and doubles titles here. What, do you, what kind of factor do you think that has been for her over the past two weeks? Let's not forget Barbara Krejcikova did it last year. Sure. So we could have a repeat here <laughs> with her. I think it just doubles helps her singles, singles helps her doubles. And I think having one on the doubles court helped her on the singles court. She was under such a microscope the whole time. Maybe not the favorite to win matches, but the, the, the headline, she was in the headlines. The, the, the interest was always about her. So it's been a lot of pressure, and now she's finally living up to it. And it's, it's difficult for somebody that's that talented. It's like, well, what have you been, you know? She's only 18, but we feel like she's a veteran, and she is. She's been in these positions a lot. Right. Yeah, it's amazing so to think just four years ago she was winning the junior event and here she is now uh, in the final and in both singles and doubles and you know you are exactly spot on Martina when you say golf has had to deal with a lot of pressure over the last three or four years I think in some ways more than Iga Sviantec because sure. we were looking at golf as you know the next thing she had her big breakthrough at Wimbledon and it was almost expected that it was a matter of time before she would be playing for Grand Slam trophies be in finals and for three and a half plus years it wasn't happening and when you're that young it seems like forever and so for golf I've been really impressed with how well she's played under that kind of pressure always being the TV match and the, the player to watch mm -hmm. and for Sviantec it's been recently she's been the player to watch but golf has been playing under it for quite a long time so I think that kind of helps her um, in this matchup where Sviantec is the player to beat Sviantec is the world number one but golf has to feel like she has just as good a shot with the way she's been playing these last couple of weeks. And the fact that now she is in a final, she can kind of let it all hang out. So I'm interested to see how she'll start the match, how quickly she'll kind of get the nerves under control and get into the game that she's been playing. I think that's a really good point, the, the pressure and the setup. There is a, a town in the south of France, Toulouse. This is for your benefit. Coco Goff has nothing to lose. <laughs> it's a great. I mean, she comes in here. She is lower seated. She is younger. She hasn't won this title before. She's playing a player on a streak. She can play doubles and still win a title. This has set up really well for her, just in terms of managing pressure. She goes into that first major final in a great position. She didn't want to be out there playing against a player ranked number sixty-two and being the the favorite against some underdog. She's the underdog, and I think. You couldn't ask. She won her six matches. She was terrific. She didn't drop a set, but she couldn't ask for a better setup. This should show uh, the way she handled the pressure when she was a huge favorite in the semifinals should give her a lot of confidence because mm. now she's not the under. She's the underdog. 
So that takes the pressure off, even though it's the first major final. I think she'll handle it just fine. She has shown incredible maturity her entire life in the spotlight, and this is the moment for her. Yep. Yep. First major final. Uh, for the guys yesterday, it was a wild day. I mean, we had rain. We had an injury interruption. We had a protester. Uh, it started with Rafa Nadal and Sasha Zverev, John. Multiple chances for both players to win this first set. Yeah, even, even before the regrettable finish, um, this was a, a strange, sometimes entertaining, often uh, arrhythmic match. This is set point for Rafa. Rafa staved off four set points prior just to get to this point. You like that reaction to winning the set? And you figure, okay, well, it was a little patchy, but now things will settle down. But they didn't. Rafa was broken. Get this, guys. Four straight times serving Roland Garros on this court, and yet he still hangs in the match. And then this right here is where everything turned and everything ended. That's Zverev going for that ball. You can see he rolls that right ankle. He was in agony. It was excruciating for, for everyone, most of all him, of course. You knew he wasn't going to play and continue the match when you saw the replay and heard his shrieks, and then it was really uh, a, a regrettable scene. Um, you hope he's back out here soon. He left the court on a wheelchair, came back on crutches, but then I saw him immediately after he got off back on a wheelchair. So uh, we'll follow his progress. This is not how Rafa Nadal wanted to reach his 14th final, but there you have it. And who will Rafa meet in that final? You called this match, Martina. Kasparud, Marin Cilic. Cilic starting the match strong. Cilic started out great. Serving big, returning big. Won, won the, the, the set because of his big returns. But then more errors crept in. Meantime, Kasparud cleaned up his game. Served bigger, got a little more imaginative there. Got a little more aggressive during the points. But most of all, the serve really helped him out. And, uh, and the errors for Cilic kept mounting, and I think he lost his legs in the, in the third and fourth set as, as the youth of, of Root really showed, showed through. He was just moving Cilic around and hitting winners. Cleaned up his game beautifully. Was coming to the net quite a bit as well. Cilic, meantime, was missing a lot of easy shots. His overhead totally left him during the match. Didn't really cost him much, but uh, still, Gaspar Root had to dig deep in that second set turned the match around and he did beautifully and then once he settled in and I was really loose at the end dominated in the fourth set. He only had three winners in that opening set Martina and then in the final three 16 12 and 10. Kasparud really stepping up his game to make his first major final. To play Rafa in a Roland Garros final is probably the greatest challenge there is in this sport so um, I believe he's 13 and 0 in the finals, so just shows uh, that uh, it might sound like an impossible task. But of course, I will give it a shot, like uh, the other 13 people before me have done. Well, this highlights the uh, major gap, shall we say, between the two. It's going to be quite the task. More than 300 match wins in majors to just 20. You see the finals. Rafa now getting to his 30th at a Grand Slam. 13 titles here. This is the first major final for Kasparud. In fact, Kasparud has trained at Rafa's Academy since 2018. So you got that dynamic of mentor, mentee, John. Uh, what do you expect to see between these two? Yeah, you mentioned that. And they asked Rafa about Rude and uh, what do you think of him? And he said, well, he's... I know his parents, and I know his mom and his dad, and they're very nice people. So they have a real kinship here. This isn't just a player he's, he's scouting. I mean, you know, Rafa's going to be the overwhelming favorite because he's Rafa. Then again, Rafa had a very strange match yesterday. We still, there, there's sort of this issue of the foot that's hovering. I think Rude has a shot. I mean, he, he will be the considerable underdog, but um, 
you know, I, I think there are a lot of factors in Rude's favor, actually. Yeah, it was so interesting to see the number of career titles that Rude has. And Rafa Nadal has more titles just at this tournament alone than Rude has in terms of his career. But I think when you get into a final for any player, you know, that's a bit of an equalizer. And Rude's played the kind of tennis he's needed to play to get here. He really elevated his level in his semifinal against Chilich. We saw how good his legs are on this surface, and that's part of what has made him one of the best clay court players now for the last couple of years or so. You know, so I think he has to feel like he's got a shot. I mean, of course, this is the toughest task for anyone in tennis. But if he gets into the match, if in that first set he can really plug in, kind of loosen up enough to start playing his full game, maybe some of the physical aspects will come into play. Maybe he has an advantage in that department right now against Nadal. And look, you've just got to stay competitive. You've got to stay tight, I think, in the early stages. And at that point, if the belief comes, because it's the mental work I think you have to do when you're going into a big match against an all-time great, you've got to start to believe you can win it. Maybe he gets to that place and, you know, crazy things can happen. What Chanda said. No, he's, <laughs> he's got to split sets at least. The first two sets are crucial. The first one perhaps even more so because once Rafa relaxes, he loosens up and he hits the ball deeper and spreads the court even more. <clears throat> but also Rafa's not used to that much Thompson coming back at him. He, he's giving it to people, mm. but now he's going to come back and Ruth's shots carry through a little bit more with that topspin. Ruder will have to redline it some and uh, and hope that he can do it for three winning sets, not just two. So that, you know, as, as Ruth says, this is the toughest out in tennis. It really is. Three out of five on clay in there against Rafa Nadal. Only three losses. And when we continue TC Live, we're going to talk more about Rafa. You won't believe his answer to the question, would you rather win the title here or have a new foot? Plus, we've got the best of the best countdown beginning from our time in Paris the best of the best on the women's side coming up 2 p.m. Eastern right here on Tennis Channel. It's Iga Sviantec and Coco Golf for a title, a major one. Stay with us on TC Live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Beautiful Saturday in Paris. Steve, Martina, Chanda, John, back with you on TC Live. Championship weekend. And Tennis.com, your online home for everything Roland Garros. From John Burkhoff's stat of the day to all of our interviews here in Paris to all the behind-the-scenes coverage on the baseline, go to Tennis.com today. Taking a look at our Sunday schedule. We've got the women's doubles final. That's right, Coco Golf. Going for the sweep if she wins today with Jesse Pagula. TC Live at 8 a.m. Eastern to get you ready for the men's title match premiering on TC at 2 p.m. Eastern. Nadal and Rude. For a look at the forecast tomorrow, here's Fox Weather. Hey there, tennis fans. I'm Fox Weather's Amy Freeze, And here's tomorrow's Roland Garros forecast. For the men's final, expect some showers, maybe even a thunderstorm with a high of 76 degrees. We invite you to download the app and watch the Fox Weather stream from your favorite connected TV devices. Good luck and have a great day. 
All right, thanks, Amy. Four years ago, Coco won the junior title here in Paris, and she's been working for this moment, less than an hour away from the biggest match of her life. Back on TC Live after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Now, when Rafa makes the final here, he is undefeated. How about this? Can go for 22, take a two-major lead, over his compatriots in the big three, Djokovic and Federer at 20. This always on the line, the GOAT stats, when one of these three go for a Grand Slam title. But how about this? Jose Morgado, journalist from Portugal, tweeting that Rafa said he would prefer to lose Sunday's final if he could get a new foot. Win is beautiful, but life is much more important than any title. He was asked this question in Spanish, and this was the response translated from Spanish, Martina. But what's your reaction uh, to hearing that, that Rafa would prefer a new foot than another win here? Well, it just tells you how bad the foot is. I mean, it's about quality of life, not just as you're playing, but after. He's got well, hopefully 40, 50 years of life left. And when you're in constant pain, it just saps your energy. And of course, as an athlete, he has to make so many adjustments for that. So it's been really frustrating for him. He doesn't really enjoy yourself when you're playing that well, but you have to, all the biggest worry is the foot. I went through that with my knees, but nothing to this level. So I just hope that he will be pain-free. And I totally get it that he would rather have the good foot than, than another win, especially since he has so many. But I think even if he had none, he would still go for the, for the foot. Well, yeah, I think especially when you consider for, you know, an athlete, but especially in tennis, there's probably not one player that isn't dealing with some kind of injury at every single point in their career, whether it's something they have to get treatment for, tape for, depending on the pain level, it's not that bad, but it's something they have to constantly address. There is probably never a point in your career where you're not doing that as an active player. But for Nadal to keep referencing the foot, when we know how little he talks about his injuries, the fact that he keeps referencing it, that he's thinking about it, that he's talking about sort of the mortality that will eventually come. Uh, he's talked about how important this is the most important tournament for him. So all of his focus is on it. But in the meantime, it's still the foot. And I think that just tells you how much pain he's in, how much he is having to think about it. And maybe he's just having to kind of deal with when, you know, what if and, and how will this tennis career end for me? And it's not something you want to see. I mean, we want to see Rafa Nadal play forever, but it's bound to happen. All athletes go through this. Yeah. And at the end of the day, your health is your wealth. And, and Rafa knows that, John. Uh, he brings up his foot a lot. And there's a report in Spanish media that has said no matter what happens tomorrow, he will not be playing Wimbledon. What more can you tell us about that? Yeah, that, that is still, uh, we are awaiting official confirmation, but that certainly, that had been buzzing for a few days. And I think, I mean, you know, re realistically, I don't know how surprising that ought to be. He's 36 years old as of yesterday. He hasn't won Wimbledon in a dozen years. He's clearly in some pain. He has his foot doctor here, which is rare for him. He usually has his trainer, Mimo, but it's rare that he would travel with a foot doctor. I also think we saw Zverev roll his ankle. It was dramatic. It was excruciating. This is a different kind of injury. Mm. When Rafa Nadal missed the French Open in 2004, a teenager before he won, 
it was because of this foot condition. This has been on again, off again. His camp has told me it's, it's almost as though there's a bone disintegration. This is chronic. This is not yeah. an injury that you hope to rehab like a conventional injury. I think you know, you're 36 years old. You realize the end is in sight. And I think we see it with Serena. We see it with Roger. The scheduling becomes really critical. And what he has to do to be able to play certainly cannot be good for his foot long term. This would be the first time ever, Martina, that he would win the Australian Open and Roland Garros in the very same year. So halfway to a Grand Slam, which is a pretty big deal to then skip Wimbledon. I'm curious what goes in to a, to a great's mind in terms of when you decide that well, I can't do this anymore. Well, either your heart decides or your body decides. And with Rafa, it seems to be the body's deciding that, uh, uh, yeah, you know, you won't be able to do this forever. But we thought that Rafa wouldn't last this long when he first started right. playing because he plays such a physical, physical game. The fact that he's done with this his whole life, it's just astonishing because it just takes so much energy out of you, never mind the time and all of that and the doubt that it puts in you. So my head is off to him as always but maybe most for this how he's dealt with it john brings up the fact that hadn't won wimbledon in a decade he hadn't won the australian open since 2009 he did that this year so you kind of throw it all out right with rafa chanda and and think man if i have a chance to get a grand slam could that change his mind i mean it, it could but you know rafa nadal he just seems to be you know first of all realist and a guy who you know, once he kind of sets his path, he's pretty stubborn about it. And that has gotten him all of these titles. We kind of talked about it a little bit yesterday. And I literally, I didn't know this report was coming out, but it just seemed obvious with the way he was talking with, you know, how he was looking at Roland Garros, building to that. When you look at how he's had to really be smart about his tournament scheduling, where he's missed tournaments because physically he's needed to recover. He understands that better than most. It just seemed like you know, the most logical decision that he would have already been thinking about Wimbledon. Didn't know that he had maybe decided not to play, but he would have already kind of set that overall schedule. And the fact that he's maybe made that decision, it's hard to see him, you know, changing it. But if he wins here, maybe it gives him a little something additional to think about. I mean, Martina, this could be the ultimate mic drop, right? Your 22nd major, your 14th at Roland Garros, go out on top. Uh-huh. That's as good as it gets. Maybe halfway to the, to the Grand Slam. With a good foot, he would for sure be playing because he is that kind of a competitor. But, yeah, that would be the ultimate mic drop. You got it. Can we, I mean, that board that we showed, that we show a lot on this, uh, on this network about the majors, I mean, he is trying to win Roland Garros as many times as Pete Sampras, who a quarter century ago was going to go down as the greatest ever. He's going to have as many French Opens, potentially, as Pete Sampras had majors. But I also think that he knows Rafa's a realist. He's, again, 36 is a big number. Mm. And I think, I think, Martina, you raise a really good point, which is some of this is about playing through pain and what's your pain threshold, how much do you want to endure, but also just the time suck, the mood of it. Um, you know, Dirk Nowitzki, Tennis Channel viewer, has talked about how he has trouble playing with his kids right now. He's not much older than Rafa. And I think that you sort of add all this up, not just the physical pain and going out there playing best of five, but everything that's encompassed in having a chronic injury like yep. that. And at 36, you really, you, you do your risk-reward ratio, and uh, I think Rafa's reaching some conclusions yep. now. And that adds to just how impressive he has been these two weeks to get back to a final, talking like that as well. Much more still to come here on TC Live. When we come back, we are going back to an era before Rafa dominated the red dirt here in Paris. That's right, we're winding the clocks back. An unlikely duo of champions in Paris that we'll never forget. You're watching TC Live on Championship Weekend.
championship Saturday in Paris. It's hot. It's beautiful. And we are leading up to the women's final. Iga Sviantek on a 34-match win streak. Coco Golf looking for her first major title, the TC Premier, 2 p.m. Eastern. Iga's won her last eight WTA finals in a row, all in straight sets and without losing more than four games in any of those sets. But as John reports in today's edition of Unstrung, a quarter century ago, it was a couple upsets that rocked Roland Garros. Sports Illustrated called it a farce that only Jerry Lewis could love. This was the tournament to prove that tennis had officially lost its mind. When the draw was through, fans said who and huh? The locals said, qu'est-ce It was 25 years ago that the French Open was truly open, and it disgorged two impossibly unlikely champions. On the men's side, there was a Brazilian surfer with hair to match, wearing blue suede shoes and flinging his one-handed backhand. Despite never having won a tournament before, and despite having entered the tournament rank number 66, he won the title. On the women's side, the winner was in the top 10, but it was neither Monica Seles, nor Steffi Graf, nor Arantxa Sanchez, nor Martina Hingis, but rather a Croatian teenager who hit two hands on both sides. At number nine, she was at the time the lowest seeded woman's winner ever. Your 1997 French Open champions, Gustavo Kirton and Eva Maioli. What the what? It was supposed to stand for the proposition that anything is possible, especially on clay. Except au contraire, that really wouldn't be the legacy. Maioli would never win another major singles title. Not only that, she would, get this, only make it beyond the fourth round twice more in 20 tries. Wavering commitment and injuries worked against her, and those magical two weeks in Paris were the pinnacle of her career. But in the case of Kierton, the result would make more sense, not less, as time wore on. He would win at Roland Garros again three years later, and again the year after that. And he'd get to number one and become a Hall of Famer beloved by virtually all. The 1997 French Open was not a farce, it was a breakthrough. A quarter century later, coming off a year in which an unseated player won the women's title, the 1997 Roland Garros results are instructive. There are surprise winners in tennis, and there are winners who are just getting started. Well done, as always, John. Uh, Martina Hingis was world number one. She was on a 35-match win streak when Eva Maioli beat her, so some parallels to today. By the way, that was the first major that Venus Williams ever played it. And Iga's going to match Venus's streak. We're trying to bring it all full circle. But, Martina, uh, as you remember, 1997, Guga winning, Maioli winning. Uh, what, what are your memories Hingis, of that? Hingis was dominating, and uh, she was a prohibitive favorite to win that. As it turns out, it's the only major she didn't win, which is the one that we thought she would win the most with her game and growing up on clay. And then Guga, I remember watching, I'm like, how does he get all the topspin on those shots? Because I was practicing next to him. Normal stroke and all this topspin. Where's the magic? It's the strings. When I hit with him, like, five years later, I'm like, ah, oh, that's how he got all the topspin. So he had a bit of an advantage over the rest of the field, but both of them, just uh, Maioli and, and Curtin, just uh, hit a sweet spot. And, and especially Maioli, she never was able to duplicate it again. But she was the better player on that day. 
Incredible. And, and Chanda, I mean, Guga was able to win a couple more Roland Garros titles. He's in the Hall of Fame now, and, and we see him here often in the stands watching matches. You can spot him from a mile away. You can. And, you know, I just remember watching him play and how loose-limbed he yep. seemed to swing out and, you know, almost like uh, he just had joy in his joints, <laughs> not just on his face. Like, it was, you just smiled watching him play. And I remember that being the first time. Of course, it wasn't the last, but it was just so fun to watch him. And then, of course, Eva Maoli, when Martina Hingis was the favorite by far and thought it was just penciling her in, and Eva Maoli played the match of her mm -hmm. life. And, uh, you know, I remember both of them so clearly. I was right there in the thick of my career as well. So a lot of inspiration from those two things. If, if you said one was the outlier who caught lightning in a bottle and the other one was just getting started, you might have flipped it the other way. Maoli was already in the top ten. Both of them are, are here this week. Uh, I mean, my, my recollection, I, I think I, I was a fact checker and Sports Illustrated had a writer in Paris covering this, and they said, I think this guy with hair that looks like a dandelion, I think he's going to win. I think he's going to win this thing. And uh, this was really, this is, this is yesterday. And uh, wow, is that guy blessed uh, tonsorially. That, that was a great head of hair, for, uh, even for a man not in his, his 40s. Uh, but no, this is one of the great beloved players of this sport. And um, he would win this, as you say, Steve. He'd win two more times, he'd get to number one. So it turns out he was the one just getting started. But uh, Great to see both of those players here today, 25 years later. One of the best salads in tennis, for sure. And, uh, you know, I, that was probably the only video where I've seen him not smiling. He, he, he's got joy in his yeah. joints, and he's always a, a joyous <laughs> individual. And Eva's here. I believe you played against her in the Legends here, and, and she still talked about that, yeah. that, that run. Yeah, she does. We hit some balls out here before we all got started. We have dinner. We laugh. We sit in the locker room. It's a lot of fun. And she also, she's got a joyous personality. Yep. And I think, you know, the fact that this was the scene of her greatest success, she loves coming back, and it's just great to see her back out there on court. And it's incredible, Martina, because we've seen more of these surprise winners mm. over the last five years. I mean, three of the last five champions on the women's side have been unseated players going back to Elena Ostapenko. It's funny. The odd winner was more common at the Australian Open. Beginning of the year, people are maybe not so, so sharp, and, and we had some really odd winners there. But now it's been happening on clay. And uh, it's, uh, you never know where, where they're going to go. Is it the one-off, or are they going to blossom? And Shurantik is answering that question, isn't she? Well, what about, uh, we talked about last year's winner, who, um, this was a complete upset. Frajikova was unseated. She had come here. Actually, she actually played the French Open many times, but they didn't count because she didn't qualify. So she was in the qualifying draw half a dozen times before getting in the main draw and then winning the title. Where do you place her, Martina, on that continuum between sort of great two weeks, lightning in a bottle, and start of something big? Well, look, she was burned out by the end of the year. She did get into the WTA finals in Guadalajara and then played the Australian Open, was okay, injured her elbow, and she hadn't been able to play. The French Open was her first tournament back. So I think when she gets healthy, she can still do some damage on all the surfaces. She's got a very good, complete game on all the surfaces, but she needs to get healthy first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I enjoy watching her play, and I remember before the Roland Garros win, you know, some of the clay court events the previous year where she just started to kind of find her form in singles, started to maybe gain a little bit of confidence. She's just such a smooth ball striker. Her ability to come in, to play at the net, we don't see that as often in today's game. And so I think that was one of the aspects that sort of put her up there, you know, among the top players. But when she won, I don't think anybody expected that in singles and doubles. And as she continued to play all year, she continued playing both. And it just seemed like 
she had unlimited energy, but at a certain point, that has to catch up with you, especially when you're not accustomed to it. So hopefully she can get healthy. I think she can continue to contend going forward, but that's always the factor, is staying healthy and being able to play it consistently. Music to her ears. Can you imagine two years in a row with a winner in singles and doubles? Same per yeah, exactly. That puts a smile on your face. Talk about turning back the clock. Exactly. I mean, that, that's your favorite stat, right? 88? 88 wins in single tournaments? tournaments, I won singles and doubles in both tournaments. I don't actually know how many majors I did in, but I just felt that it, it gave me match play. It made me tough. It also relaxes you. I like to play uh, singles and doubles on one day and then have the day off the next day. I knew I was going to play early in the day for the singles, so you don't stay nervous all day long. So for me, it works really well. I probably should have paid a little bit less, but overall, it made me a better tennis player. So I would recommend it to everybody. Well, there are uh, 60 major titles on this desk between the four of us, so it's pretty special. <laughs> 11 Roland Garros over here on our own. Much more still to come. In fact, we're going to add some more major titles to our resume when we come back. Lindsay Davenport is calling the women's final in the booth, and she will join us to break it down as TC Live rolls on. Iga Swiatek, 40 back of Martina's ultimate win streak, but since 2000, just one away from Venus Williams for the most this century if she takes the title at Roland Garros. To talk more about the ladies' final here in Paris, we welcome in Hall of Famer Lindsay Davenport over in our Whoop booth in Philippe Chatrier. Lindsay, thanks for joining us here on TC Live. Uh, obviously, you ended Venus Williams' big 35 win streak back in 2000. That's what Coco's looking to do today against Iga Fiontek. So what would you say to Coco going into this match? I think the biggest thing for Coco is this is her first Grand Slam final. She's not really worried about what's happening on the other side of the net first and foremost she's worried about herself and how she manages her emotions out here. It'll be interesting. You get the sense though from Coco for the last 10 years or so, this is what she's wanted more than anything. She's been preparing herself to become not only a champion of our sport, champion really of women's sports all over, but that starts with winning majors. And this has been a huge goal of hers. Um, you just never know how a player reacts going into the biggest match of their life. No question this is the biggest match that Coco will have played. She's playing someone with a little bit of experience. Obviously, in Grand Slam Finals, Sviantec has that one French Open. Sviantec has never played a Grand Slam Final or a Grand Slam Tournament as such an overwhelming favorite. And there was parts earlier in the tournament where it seemed to be wearing on her a little bit. The mental part, that is going to be the biggest factor in this match for these two. How does Sviantec handle the pressure? How does Goff handle being in her first Grand Slam final? Well, touching on that, Lindsay, you talk about Iga being such a massive favorite. She has played her way through all of this pressure each and every match to get to this final stage. You know, how does she approach this final, being the world number one, being the favorite and, you know, wanting so badly to have this major title along with the streak. And that's something she's done better than all the other players on the WTA these last four or five months has been the mental part of the game. Really embracing the fact that, yes, I'm the best player in the world and I am refusing to lose. We've had other players maybe get to one or win a major and almost seem just, yeah, that was great. I'm happy with that. Yeah, no pressure. I can lose now. It's no big deal. Iga's the opposite. Eagle, I, Iga has that hard of a champion where she is approaching every tournament every match I want to win this more than anything 
So you take that, and now all of a sudden she's got this long run streak. She's won all these tournaments. She's number one, but she wants to win another major. It's been a couple of years since she really came out of nowhere, ranked outside the world's top 50 to become a Grand Slam champion. As a world number one player, you want the biggest titles to go with the ranking. So a lot of pressure on Iga, not to defend her number one ranking, but to prove it even more of getting a second major. Yeah, certainly winning a major title backs up that number one ranking that she got because Ash Barty retired. She has certainly backed it up with all of these wins. But I want to show you, Lindsay and Martina, a graphic about what Coco's doing in terms of being an American teenager in a major final. Joins this list of illuminaries, and it's absolutely incredible. I mean, you see... Your pal Chrissy did it five times, Martina. Gave you a shirt today. <laughs> yes, the shirt I'm wearing is from Chris from my birthday. She won it only seven times here. Uh, Tracy Austin at 16, winning the U.S. Open. So this is a bit of a tradition. And, of course, Serena winning the, 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 her first major before, before win is. Uh, so a big surprise. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a tradition. Coco's got uh, a lot of big shoes to fill. But uh, she's been... She's been groomed for this for a long time. She's been wanting it. She never uh, shied away from stating what her goal was, which is to be even better than Serena Williams, Tom, Tom Mountain to climb. Good luck with that. But I like it that she owns it, you know, and now she might back it up today. Now, women's tennis has gotten a little bit away from you have to be a Grand Slam champion in your teenage years to be so great. So I think a lot of the pressure has been taken off this generation of players. Coco, it was undeniable when we saw her play a couple of years ago at 14, 15 years of age to just see how good she was and to see almost the inevitable about what was ahead of her in the future. And it could not have been easy for Coco to sit there and watch last year's U.S. Open final. Two teenagers who hadn't really gotten as much attention as golf. And you were thinking if someone had said, oh, a teenager's going to win the U.S. Open most people would have said for sure it's Coco. So interesting for her to kind of have to take a backseat at last year's Open. And then just the different mindset at this year's French Open. Uh, only 18 years of age, but she seems like such a veteran out there. She's even talked about how her parents said this is the calmest she's ever been at a major. That has made a huge difference in her play. Her being able to get through this draw hasn't dropped a set. She looks so much more mature than her 18 years of age. Hard not to think that today... It might be the day that uh, she wins that first major. Guys, I don't know if you saw the, the video clip that was going around of Iga before her previous match when, uh, I, I don't even know how to describe it. She, she has these sort of brain sensors that were hooked up. She was lying, well, there it is. She's lying flat on her back, and uh, you, can, you can see this is, um, this, this is high-tech pre-match preparation. Less, less high-tech. She listens to Guns N' Roses and Led Zeppelin. Coco talked about how she's got her... AirPods on, listening to hip-hop before she takes the court. I'm just curious, I mean, apart from Lindsay's Huey Lewis and the news obsession, what, what else did you guys do before coming out for a big match that might have been different from your regular routine? Not that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one time I took a nap before I went final. I was really, really tired. Normally, I, I finished about an hour and a half before the match uh, and ate and then got ready. And I took, like, a 20-minute nap, and, and I won. And that was the only time that ever happened. So... You have these routines, but then you have to adapt them to what works for you in that moment. So, yeah, um, who knows what they're doing. But my stretching was about five minutes, and then I was ready to go. So they do a lot more complex warm-up, more done, and all, all of that. It's become very complicated. Now the, the biggest thing is, right, the team is trying to treat this before the match like it's the same kind of match as normal. You don't want to really change anything different in the routine as you want your player as relaxed as possible. 
but it's it's almost impossible. I mean, I remember I was so ill before taking the court at the U.S. Open. I was so incredibly nervous to go out there to play a first Grand Slam final. At a certain point, you've got to accept it, What's what lies ahead. Um, and you just, it's up to the people around you to try and keep you as relaxed and as loose as possible. Again, people always say to kind of do the same things as you would always do kind of helps with that. It's tough to really escape it when there's only two players in the locker room. You're looking over. The only other player you see is your opponent. You started the tournament. You see so many people, and all of a sudden it's so quiet in there. Um, but that's that's the beauty of the sport, and that's what makes one of the what makes today one of the best days all year in women's tennis. You think he'd agree on a playlist uh, for, for the record because she is too modest to say it. Lindsay Davenport won that U.S. Open final that she was so <laughs> she nervous did. to play. So uh, let let the record reflect that. <laughs> Love that. No, I mean, it's got to be the challenge of sort of keeping the same routines. And we see players kind of get into superstitions and try to do the same things the same way. But every day is a bit different. But you still try to keep those routines that got you there. And, and the fact that you're playing the kind of tennis you're playing to get to a final, that's the state you want to stay in. And that is going to be the challenge for both of these players. Different strokes for different folks. Uh, we are looking forward to it. Lindsay, we look forward to your call as well. Thanks for spending some time with us here on TC Live as we lead up to the top of the hour. It will be Iga Sviantek and Coco Golf playing for the title at Roland Garros. TC premiere at 2 Eastern. Don't go anywhere. Back on TC Live, look who's here on an off day before playing in his 14th final at Roland Garros. None other than Rafa Nadal. Probably getting into practice, getting in some treatment, and getting ready to go. This was yesterday, women's double semifinals. 2016 champs, Caroline Garcia, Kiki Mladenovic taking on Ludmila Kichinuk and Yelena Ostapenko. And it was Kichinuk and Ostapenko came out firing in that first set, but the French pair turned the tables in the second, had a little bit of crowd support behind them as well. And a fantastic move there by Kiki Mladenovic. They have been an established pair from years ago. They're back together again. Mladenovic and Garcia playing terrific tennis. And this was a huge moment. They were able to play through this distress, the nerves to get to another final in front of their home crowd. They are a terrific pair together and have a shot for another title. They do. By the way, Kiki won the doubles here two other times with Tamea Babos, so she'll be going for her fourth title, and they'll be taking on Coco Goff and Jesse Pagula. We'll have it for you 5.30 a.m. Eastern Sunday here on Tennis Channel. Martina, who's going to win? Uh, singles or doubles? Doubles. Doubles. <laughs> I'm going with Goff, Goff and Pagula. They're, uh, they're the more adventurous, and I think less pressure. I think the Frenchies will feel the pressure. All right. I, I'm looking forward to this. I think it's so cool that for two years in a row we can have a player win the singles yeah, and the great. doubles in the same tournament. If it were Coco Golf, who's, by the way, already been to a doubles major final, That's U.S. Right. Open with Katie McNally. Exactly. That was such a disappointing loss to the two of them. You could see it. And for Golf to have another opportunity here in both disciplines. That's she's a, she's a major finalist veteran. This is her second is. time. Uh, <laughs> see what's trending on social media right now. We've got Ash Barty, recently retired. Now, John, she's uh, in your book club, uh, an author like yourself, children's books. What do you think? What is that little ad? I like that. She's a suit, like le lemony, uh, lemony cricket. How do you like that? Little Ash, perfect they, uh, match is good, the, is the good, title uh, to that one. Good for Ash Barty. And uh, a number of athletes have done so. Steph Curry, uh, Kobe Bryant, who we talked about this with at the U.S. Open a few years ago. Um, 
Good for her. That's great. She's staying busy, and uh, we want we want the memoir next, but uh, start with the kids' book. That's I like that. fantastic. I need to get that book for yeah, my little ones. Yes. I mean, Harper I, would love yeah, that. She would love it. Uh, big congrats going out to Peyton Stearns, Hook'em. Uh, won a couple of Natty's NCAA team title with Texas as well as the individual singles title first in Longhorn history. And I'll, I'll give you one, too. She's from Mason, Ohio, which is the site of the Cincinnati event. That, I don't think, is insignificant. When events are in the U.S., and players and kids can be ball kids, and they can see the pros of it, see it to be it. And uh, yeah. Mason, Ohio's own, University of Texas' own, congrats to her. Gets a wild card into the U.S. Yeah. Open. Yeah. Also, thank you, Title IX. Yes, thank yes, you. thank you. 50th anniversary, Title IX, uh, absolutely, for Peyton Stearns. And Ben Shelton, congratulations to him as well from Florida. Took home the NCAA singles title. He'll be heading to New York as well. Congrats to his dad, Brian Shelton, his coach of Florida. Yeah. Oh, so great. And you know, Brian Shelton, it excellent player as well so to see your child get to this level get a shot at the u.s open it's gonna be a lot of fun chomp chomp by the way ben is playing in the semifinals of a challenger in little rock today so took that natty and went on to the pros he's doing big things love that uh i don't know what's going on here but we are dancing our way to the top of the hour and our ladies final Igish fiance coco golf there's john Well, that was 10 through 6. We've got 5 through 1 tomorrow on Sunday. It is prediction time. We are almost ready for walkouts. Martina, who's winning, Sviantec or Goff? I gave a slight edge on serving to Goff over Sviantec, but all the other aspects of the game, I think Sviantec gets the nudge. So if the nerves stay the same, I'm going with Iga Sviantec in 3, maybe. Iga in 3. Chanda? I think golf serve will help her get over the line just a little bit will give her that slight advantage where Sviantec won't be able to attack the way she's been comfortably doing. I'm going to go with golf. I think she's going to handle the nerves and her own expectations and, and play a really good match. I'm with Madam Rubin. I, I think you're right. I'm feeling a lot like Coco, who is playing free. She's actually serving better than anyone this tournament. And I just think it's I, sometimes you just feel like it's, people, it's their moment. That's sort of how it's feeling to me, and I think 34 wins uh, may go for naught. All right, we got two Cocos and one Iga. We'll see what happens. Cannot wait for this final between Sviantec and Goff. You can see inside Coco trying to become the youngest woman to win a major since Sheriff Ova, and Sviantec trying to become the youngest to win multiple majors since Maria did it. For Martina, Chanda, and John, I'm Steve. Thanks so much for joining us on TC Live, the Tennis Channel premiere of the women's final. 2 p.m. Eastern today.